0: Live from the studio. I'm Jimmy Seleski. Merrick Glazer. Tonight on the podcast, we have, fresh off of his uh, run at the Fells Point Theater, comedian, director, actor, extraordinaire, Michael
1: Furr.
2: (laughs) What's up?
1: I'm all all of those things, especially extraordinaire. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, is the uh, the run over? Yeah, tonight was the last night. We did seven shows. Um, Damn, dude. That was a real knee puncher. Yeah, it was a real real gut punch, but it was really good. It was a really successful run. So you guys did last weekend and then this weekend? Yeah, it was a
2: two-week run. Yeah, We did Thursday through Sunday and then Friday through Sunday. And you wrote and directed everything? Yep, yeah. Well, that's the thing I was confused about because I, I wanted to go see it today, but I had to do the podcast here, so I kind of regret. I, I'm sad to hear that it's done. <laughs> but it's like an improv play? Yeah, so I've, I've done a couple of them,
1: and so basically like... We come up with characters and we kind of set like a structure for like the flow of the show. Like this is gonna happen and then you guys will meet up and talk about this and then this thing, but all the details are made up, like all the actual conversations are improved on the spot and all the interactions they have. And it's different people and playing different characters like throughout the run. So you're interacting with different people. And then we also get inputs from the audience on certain points, like things that we'll use throughout the show, like mm-hmm. details that we use. Um, and then we also have music. This one had music because it was a holiday show, so we had Christmas music. But we made up all the lyrics, like improved all the songs. We came wow. up with like the title of them, which would usually be the chorus. Like we change it. Like um, it's beginning to sound like like Christmas became it's beginning to sound a lot like murder. Nice. And then they just yeah. make up all the verses and the bridge, but they S- sing that as the chorus.
2: What's the name of the play?
1: It was called Santa Claus Must Die, and it was about all of the holidays who hate Santa Claus. Teaming up to murder him. Dope, dude. And trying to pin it on all the loser holidays, all the lame ass holidays, like talk like a pirate day, <laughs> Canada Day, and Casual Friday.
2: Casual yeah. Friday, yeah. a <laughs> weekly holiday. Yeah. Yeah. 420.
1: 420 was one of the losers. He lives in his grandmother's basement. <laughs> first day of college. Yeah, first day of school. Yeah, it was one of them. And, uh, May the 4th Be With You was one of them one night. Ooh, a classic nerd yeah, classic holiday. A classic nerd holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so they, get, they take him to this party where Santa's going to be, and they try to get, pin this murder on them. But then through the love of Christmas, they don't go through with it. So the devil just comes and takes him to hell because Santa's a bastard. Did you guys have Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, Cinco de Mayo. Um, Cinco de Mayo was, was referenced very heavily because Fourth of July was one of the main characters, and mm-hmm. she was this like, real aggro, pro-America... She drives a NASCAR driven by eighteen hundred red, white, and blue bald eagles. And, <laughs> you know, she wants ma- she only eats mayonnaise, and she loves. She always has a gun on her. Like she literally in every scene has a different gun <laughs> on her. Um, so she was always talking about getting wasted with Cinco de Mayo even though they weren't in the show she was part of, the, part of the the legend of the show you know <laughs> part of the overworld yeah and the, uh, the general yeah because I mean they talked about throughout the whole run of the show they talked about dozens of like other holidays Ooh. Scott Cease as New Year's Eve that's a good this, one played this really bro like New Year's Eve and he was talking about how he had a threesome with Happy Honda Days and Daylight Savings <laughs> Daylight Savings
3: <sorry. laughs>
1: total slut it's so good and it is canon that um, New Year's Eve is a sexual maniac apparently <laughs> <laughs> and then we also had a, a woman named Maddie Rogers playing New Year's Day, who was just like a hungover, disgusting <laughs> mess with one shoe mm-hmm. on, who cries a lot, yeah. and can't find her phone and doesn't remember who she slept with. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, but but like they're improv performers, so they just make it up each time, so it's
2: a little different each time. That's sometimes. what I was gonna say. It sounds like no play is the same.
1: Yeah, it's never the same, and it's different people, and it's just I mean some things they you found that worked. You said even
0: some of the actors switched up Yeah, a lot of characters played like, two holidays, yeah, yeah. different,
1: like they'd be one of the cool kids one day and one of the losers one day. Um, yeah, and some nights people weren't available, so we had to opt, like the guy played the devil. Sometimes we would just do a mm-hmm. demonically possessed Rudolph. <laughs> we had a very PTSD Rudolph. She was very <laughs> t- tor- tortured by her childhood, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> being bullied. So how many people were involved? Like uh, Altogether, I think it was... 15 I think 14 or 15 yeah, but uh, each poster. night yeah I mean there was a lot of, There was actually two people on the poster who ended up not being able to do it the last second but uh, yeah, yeah I mean each night it would be between 8 and 12 because it was broken up into different ensemble groups it was very like just ensemble based so it'd just be like this group does a thing and then this group does a thing and then they all meet up at the end and uh yeah so sometimes there'd be like at the end for like the closing number like 12 people on stage, like, all singing about killing Santa. That's yeah. awesome. It, it was, was really fun. a big stage,
0: though. Like, yeah. It fit that amount of people.
1: Yeah, it was at the Fells Point Corner Theater, where I'm the director of special events there, and uh, we put on these improv shows as special events, because it's a traditional theater. They have, like, a regular season of shows. You know, Charlie's Aunt is about to open there. They just said Stick Fly. You know, they do Jerusalem. Wow. You know, it's like a real theater, <coughs> but it's a not-for-profit theater, so we run these special event shows where we can utilize some of that money to actually Repair the building. We have to build a new roof. We need, you know, we needed a boiler. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I do these like improv special events. We're doing a musical weekend next year. I'm doing another one of these improv plays in the spring. We do. We're going to do like a fundraiser night. You know, like all these things to actually fund the small theater that really can't make the money in its regular season.
2: Was this your first play that you've written and directed and, and aired? No, I, I, I did. Um,
1: I did one that we called the Late Night Double Feature Improv Show, but it was a uh, a horror movie, and it was the 1960s version and then the reboot in the 2018 version. So it was like two horror movies that were like the same and we'd like from the audience we'd find out who the ghost was in the house and how they died and then you know all these different ways and then everybody gets murdered at the end and it's, it's, it was really good and it was a lot of the same cast members like came back to do it and it had like special effects and things fo- floating and flying and falling nice. and stuff. So it was really cool. And then the next one we're doing in the spring is a sci-fi one, like 1950s, like nice. body snatchers kind of thing. Ooh, that sounds People will be getting snatched by aliens. And you're
2: the events, cor- so you're like pretty much the head, not the head in hancho but like you're in charge of, are you in, in charge of organizing what like big time shows are coming in there as well? No, so, uh,
1: well, I will be. So I'm actually currently, I'm the interim special events director because we haven't reached the end of our season where we can vote on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I am a part of the board of directors at Falls Point Corner Theater. So they have a, a panel that picks like this the show season every year. So I'll be involved in that when I'm with them long enough for nice. them to do it again. Um, but also too, I mean, I really got brought on by doing the first improv play that I had done there, and they were like, "Wow, this is a great way to have like super low overhead, have mm-hmm. willing able performers, and put on a show for a couple of weeks that doesn't have to be as planned out as." A real run that has producers and directors and a script and very specific set requirements and stuff this is like oh whatever it is we'll just make it work it's yeah, improv yeah. we'll just fucking figure it out just make it whatever that time of year it is just make it the right type of show to have yeah. at that time of year mm. so yeah so that's uh, so they needed a special <laughs> events director because they're switching up all the you know everybody's getting voted on right now so they set me in there so it's good so i'm helping do that and i'm going to also help them produce some of their other shows and I'm going to be directing. We're going to do like Twas Night Before Christmas. and
2: Dude, know, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's been really yeah, good. Yeah. It's
1: been, you know, all that weird random stuff I'd never thought I would do. <laughs> like, yeah, what'd yeah. you just do? I just directed a musical. Wait, what? Is that right? <laughs> so you know, never right? had any
2: aspirations of that whatsoever? I mean, like, mean I'm a director. Writing? I
1: mean, like, as an improv coach, like, I'm basically just a director. Like, people always say, like, oh, you're an improv teacher. And I'm actually not an improv teacher. I do sometimes teach improv, but my mm. main job is an improv coach I don't teach people the skills of improv from the ground up and teach them how to be good improvisers. I prep troops to do really good shows every week or month. You know, it's like, I, you already know how to do improv. We're here to, like, come up with a signature thing for you so that you can put on really funny shows and have a great time and be the best you can be. And yeah, we're going to learn some stuff along the way. But I'm not like where you would, you're not, like, taking a class to, like, have me teach you how to do improv and then you graduate or anything. Yeah, so You just so like like put some I'm,
0: blinders on them, get right. them in the right direction.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, so I'm basically, that's, I just direct shows yeah, and, yeah. and a troupe of actors, which is all I did. I just, it was a bigger deal. It was just had costumes and music and sounds yeah, yeah.
0: and
2: stuff. That's super fun. Which too,
0: honestly, yeah. if improv had kind of like, uh, I don't know. I think one of the things that like puts me off about improv too is mm. like, everyone's just in fucking like jeans and a shirt and i'm like you're not a fucking you're not santa claus but if the dude's wearing a santa claus outfit and then they have like some other stuff that's like not up to par. I'm like, all right, this guy's in a Santa Claus outfit. Yeah, yeah, it's way <laughs> I more <believe> believable. <laughs> yeah, it's, I like, just, at least
1: can see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Yo, yeah. I mean, I do like a lightly scripted talk show every month called Chit mm-hmm. Chat, where it's it's improv and we make it up, but we know what's gonna happen in the show. Yeah, yeah. We just don't know how we're gonna react to it and what we're gonna say about it and how we're gonna do it. You know?
2: When do you do that? And where?
1: I do it once a month. So the next one will actually be on my birthday, on December 8th, at Charm City Comedy Project in Hamden. We've done them cool. there for over two years. We just do once a month as a live show. We stream them on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we actually have a very uh, large international following in West Africa.
2: Yeah. Really huge improv
1: yeah. fans. Are there. Yeah they, they love chit chat. chat. I, think, <laughs> I think we're making fun of Americans. Or gay people. <laughs> <laughs> I think like but it's funny it's like a fake morning talk show and I play Chester St. Christopher and he's just like flaming in the closet. Gay Southern man. Then my co-host is a uh, Chippy Cone, who's this really neurotic Jew from upstate New York. <laughs> and we just have other improvers come on as characters, and we interview them like they're like, "Oh, you're on a book tour. You were lost, separated. Like Ian Saliers was on with this other guy, and they played twins who were separated at birth, <laughs> they nothing alike. Yeah. And they wrote, they wrote a book about it. So we <laughs> we like tell them we're like, okay, so that's what the the guest is. And then we just bring them on and we just ask them questions as those characters. And they react, and we just have a funny scene. And we're like really bad at our jobs, and it's like a terrible talk (laughs) show, and everybody hates us, and we're always reading horrible fan mail about people wanting to kill (laughs) us and stuff. (laughs) But my character's like too dumb to get it. And then like, do you know Kathy Carson? Remember Kathy Carson? Yeah, yeah, So she's a great comedian and actress and stuff. So she played my ex-wife, <laughs> who I always talked about on the show. It's like my terrible ex-wife, Diane. And then she showed up with my adult son that I didn't know I had because we got drunk and fucked one time. And apparently I knocked her up. So she shows up with my dumb, unemployable son. And, you know, Kathy moved to Colorado. But now he's on all the episodes and he does like this little entertainment report. He's like a fucking yeah. idiot. He's like a dumb like country bumpkin. <laughs> He's just like living off my money. <laughs> you gotta start fucking panting. it's so to... fun. <laughs> yeah, start... but it's the same kind of thing where we just like improv. We just we know what we're gonna do, but we just make it up. But we wear costumes and stuff. You gotta yeah, start yeah.
2: fucking pandering to that West African. Uh, it's, crowd, so, dude. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's so weird. I'm
1: like, there must be another like, show called Jit Chat the that they're thinking it is. came
2: into town today. Well,
1: they'll <laughs> ask us questions like as if we're a real talk show. Like they'll be like, my wife is. Ch- I don't want to do an accent. That's fine. <laughs> they'll be like, they're like my wife is cheating on me. Like what? Should I do? Should I tell her I know? And I'm like, I'm not responding. And my co would be like,
2: Yeah, my you should
1: try to work on. it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not responsible for anything that happens here. <laughs> I'm washing my hands of this. This this is a comedy show. It's a character. They just completely misconceived the whole. I know. I'm like, you do you really think this is? They're real? like looking for the book that Ian wrote. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, like, my character, like, he used to be a dog groomer. So he talks about he was a competitive dog groomer. So I just always talk about all these dogs that I've lost throughout the years, like all these dead dogs, like <laughs> like, like Snickerdoodle and Samson or whatever, you know. And I'm like, you think this is real? Like, you think these are <laughs> legitimate people? But, yeah, they have, like, over a thousand Facebook likes from, like, West Africa. So that's strange. Chit
2: chat. So there's th- that's another one that people always say, like, dude, I can't believe you guys got... Live from the studio as a name, chit chat. That's an impressive you. Present you just have that. Yeah, yeah. You just have that. Yeah,
1: and uh, hopefully whatever West African people also have that that they think we are are not litigious (laughs) (laughs) or trademarked (laughs) lawyer
2: up West Africa. But
1: we'll put a hyphen in there and then we'll be fine, (laughs) and then it'll (laughs) be different. Exclamation point at the end. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Like pretty much all the comedians we know who have done improv have like been on as guests. Nice, you know, like they all come on and do a character and. We get like people who are in town just for one night who do improv and stuff come on and just, you know, are the guests that night. I don't know what we're doing for this one for my birthday, but probably do our Christmas show. Nice. <laughs> and Cole Grinnell, I don't know if you know him. He's a improv guy. He, he, do. he does a, a Civil War and Revolutionary War reenactment. So sometimes he's in Revolutionary War garb. Wait in the show or no? In real that's life? his like job. That's like his oh, no. real life. So he'll just he'll just go to the show and he'd be like, "I'm still dressed up like a British soldier." <laughs> Dude, those know? guys are
2: intense. Yeah, yeah it's they like kind it's, of freak yeah. me out to be honest. Well, you... it's,
1: but he's like super like a doof. I mean, no, he's not a doof. He's like some, a smart guy, but he's like very yeah, yeah. like relatable and like no, personable. Mm-hmm. And he plays our producer on the show, who like just hates us and is just constantly just like talking shit about us during the show and <laughs> just talking <laughs> about what awful stupid people we are and it's it's really good and we like know nothing it's like been our 13th season we say but like we know nothing about him and <laughs> we outed him he was apparently wanted by the Laotian mafia and like he was using a fake name and we gave his real name <laughs> so now he, Jordan Levine played his son yes, <laughs> from who's been living in Canada under witness protection and we brought him to reunite them and he's like he's a witness protection they're here to kill him and they get killed by Laotians <laughs> he gets killed by a Laotian spy <laughs> so Jordan Levine was his son and is now dead oh no <laughs> he killed off Jordan you. But he, was, he was Canadian but like he just played As Jordan, who's just like, "Uh, I love (laughs) axes. Timber (laughs) is pretty great. You you like that sort of thing? I like (laughs) skating around
2: on pans with butter skates or whatever. (laughs) A big blue ox and (laughs) (laughs) curling. (laughs) Let's go Canucks. (laughs) Canucks. (laughs) Anything about Canada?
0: (laughs) Awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, what do you have in the works? I know you said you have something next year. Yeah, so we're doing Talk another one May. of
1: these next year. Um, we're doing a another improv play in May. What's that going to be? About? It's going to be sci-fi. Oh it's yeah. It's going to be body snatchers, and it's going to be kind of like the game is is that only the person each night who is body snatched is going to know it. Okay. So even the rest of the cast won't know Ooh. it, and then it'll all come down to you know probably like gun with one bullet in it and somebody <laughs> has to decide if they think they know who the alien is. it'll be like secret hitler but like you know oh, yeah. in the 50s and also like on stage and funny oh, yeah. so that's gonna be that's kind of the theme for the next one but i'm doing a bunch of stuff there between now and then we're doing you know producing a whole bunch of like special events and shows and stuff there i'm gonna record my next comedy special there really yeah eric and i were talking about that recently because yeah, atv productions will be handling that but we're going to do that again next year. Get you on sound again. Hell yeah. yeah man.
0: Don't play top 40 tunes. Yeah, we're going to have to edit <laughs> that's out. That's I, can't, I can't. I can't. I love
1: this song. Oh, no. We'll go too. It's too hard. <Yeah. laughs> no
2: sweet dreams are made of Middle <laughs> Can't have that one in there. Lady Gaga's we, got yeah. that
0: Bradley Cooper confidence now to fucking sue us. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. She, she got, got like Bradley like Cooper One lawyer tiny now. little note. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, no. But yeah, I with, hit that I note The star is born. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about doing another one because. I'm not getting any younger, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and also I'm going to turn forty next year, so I'm going to do done a whole special just about turning forty. Because I did a special about being a gay comedian, and I just want to do a special about being about to turn forty. Yeah, Keep that's it good. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I, I have an hour of material about it, so I'm going to do it.
2: I like that you have themed specials. Yeah, why I not? Think that's very, very uh, playish of you.
1: I like to theme my sets. <laughs> like, I, I usually do a consistently like if I'm doing like time, like actual time. Yeah, I'll at least try to have like callbacks and stuff because that's just my like writer improv and it's major. easier to
2: market that stuff too like yeah. you have an entire special the first it's one is really like in- concise exactly yeah. yeah i mean
1: like it's a special about being a gay comedian and being gay in 2018 and it's like if that's in any way interested to you it's kind of the only one like yeah, in a lot no. of ways you know like there's not there's not especially men there's not a lot of gay comedians out there who put stuff out there i mean mm-hmm. luckily i don't yeah, I mean unfortunately I don't have any distribution or anything, so it's not like I you know, I'm on the same channels as them. But
2: I was gonna ask you how, seek did, uh, it out, how how are you faring as far as like pushing that special, how's that it's going? It's been
1: good. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, there were still never I still haven't ever done like an official press release, but from just the like two reviews that I've had like not reviews on Amazon, but like two people who professionally reviewed it, I mean they both had big spikes in sales and I just got paid out for the first time, you get paid quarterly. So Ooh. I just got my first payout from them, which was nice. decent, and yeah, I mean it's you can see the metrics all the time, and you can see who's watching it. And who's on. a lot of people will start to watch it and not finish, but that's okay. <laughs> they paid for it first, yeah, you know. Yeah, like right? there's like companies you like somebody only watched eight minutes. Okay, well you still paid for the whole thing. So that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. maybe you're going to come back to it. But it's just nice cuz like still people all the time who I know through one or two degrees of separation are just finding out about it. And usually if people tell someone like I do get like a little tiny spike of like, oh, then two other people watch it and then two more and yeah, yeah, then yeah. another and then like oh, I can see these people probably all told each other or whatever. But it's nice. It's had. this still got five out of five star review on Amazon Prime. So oh yeah, I so saw you're next to the man in High Castle. Well, it's, if the you search my name, <laughs> if you search my name, it comes up as I'm also somehow in Man in the High Castle, yeah, yeah, or I'm yeah. a producer there. Did
0: some punch up on that. I <laughs> guess. Yeah, I'm like,
1: yeah, this is really good. You know, I haven't watched it, but I'm sure it's sure I did a good job yeah, on you it. consulted <laughs> on that. No big deal. But also too apparently, there's another movie called Straight Acting. That's a documentary about Ooh. closeted gay Mormons. <laughs> but luckily mine's called Michael Furs straight acting. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh shit, I, I should have thought about that. <laughs> should have looked into that a little bit. But whatever. Yours is like the Stephen King version, dude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Dude, fucking ATB's really putting on like when are you guys releasing the um Mark and Archie specials?
1: Um I think
0: relatively soon. I'm we've just this been mic. fucking We've been swamped with like actual regular work too. Yeah. But uh but I just did like a, a, a quick pass on Marks recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got that fixed audio from you. Mm-hmm. So that'll get laid down. Should be coming out soon, hopefully. I think we got to do like intros and credits still, though.
2: Nice. We're just like pumping out, as a city, we're just pumping out specials, dude. It's cool. It really is cool. And the, And the quality of like comedians that are coming up, like, like, I, I always tell, I, I was saying you since day one, like, after we r- recorded that special, I was like, dude, you should try to see about pushing this to, like, I mean, I know it sounds far-fetched, but, like, I feel like Netflix would, would consider it, like, maybe in, like, the fucking, like, way at the bottom of the thing, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, it's, the production quality is there, dude. It's, like, you know, it's better than a lot of the shit I've seen on Netflix. How many Netflix specials have I watched where I've watched less than eight minutes? Right. A lot, Hello. A lot. Yeah, yeah. And also,
1: too, there's actually a way, like, you can actually, Netflix has a page on their website where you can suggest movies that should be on Netflix. Hmm. And that's how people sometimes get things on there. So I'm like, should I do a push to get people to do that? Like, I mean, Maybe, I probably yeah. should, but... You could probably also I? release some... Um, the audio on like Spotify or something too. Yeah, I've been talking to somebody about that, so I, I think I do want to do that. You know, mm-hmm. at first I was like, well, a lot of it's kind of visual, but I was like talking to a lot of people who just consistently said, like, I've listened to other specials, I've had visual gags, and you just know, like, oh well, I don't get to, to see that, this, but yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I am thinking about it because I'm actually doing a press release soon that's going to go out, and I'm hopefully going to get a couple more people to review it. Yeah, yeah, professionally Um, because it has good ratings and stuff and it's been out there long enough. I think people will be willing to talk about it. So
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: We'll see. Everybody seems to like Everybody who's told me that they saw it seemed to like it.
2: So that's
1: the best I could hope for.
2: So you have another you say you have another like what like a full hour of material on. Yeah, I mean the
1: last one was like 52 minutes. I think it probably it probably clocks in the same which is like the hour if I would talk slow enough. It's <laughs> probably what I like I wrote yeah, an hour but I said it in 52 minutes. Yeah. You know, um maybe we'll do two sittings for this one maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to see cuz yeah, it's felt two tapings. Yeah, the, the we see 65 at the theater, you know, so I'm like maybe do two tapings, you know. That's one thing I learned from the last one is like, oh, I wish I had another take of this yeah. audio and I wish I could edit around this um without it looking like I'm (laughs) jumping across the stage because I move around so much. So I learned a lot, and I'm like, you know, and and when I first, you know, when we first recorded it, I had like months of like, oh, I'm done, like I've got nothing left. I I can't write new jokes. So I really started revisiting a lot of old jokes. So I was like, fuck, I can't think of anything to write about. Like I don't know. And then once I started doing material that was different, even though it was old material, I started writing a lot again. And then I realized it was like, well, now I've talked about being a gay man. What else am I? And I'm like, oh, I'm also old. (laughs) 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 Old, I could talk about that. And then I realized, like, I already do talk about that a lot. I talk a lot about my life now versus when I was the age a lot of my younger comedian friends are Mm -hmm. and, you know, being bald and just, you know, being, and I'm like, I'm going to turn 40 next year. So I'm like, I want to capitalize on that a little bit and just talk about what it's going to be like to be... (laughs) 40. <laughs> call it Right before is it, is it 40, happens. Call it, this
2: is 40, get sued again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael
2: Perez, this is 40.
1: <laughs> and I went to call it 40-year-old ingenue, but I'm like, no one's going to be able to spell ingenue. Yeah. So, like, I don't even know what that means. That's uh, ingenue is like a young star. Like usually, okay. it's usually a woman and it's like uh, the young, beautiful thing. It's like, oh, who's that in this movie? She's going to be somebody. They call that like an ingenue young rising starlet I did not and i'm dude. like that's me but i'm a 40 year old dude
2: <laughs> <laughs> damn dude how do you guys feel about the fucking uh you heard about the auto bar getting sold yeah i did hear I did about that. that
1: and that's, i was like well i don't know what that looks like because who are they selling it to this is all that yeah. matters you, you were the
2: first also, person like to follow, are
0: they going to restructure it or like i don't know what's gonna happen
2: they shouldn't change the name they no, should keep the so. name
0: it's branded, man. I mean, I like everybody keep it. Knows this, don't brand. even remodel it. I feel like yeah. maybe put a new coat of paint or something. Maybe do a fucking steam cleaning on everything. Yeah. Maybe
1: get that secondary property, that like hidden green room area, kind of usable. Because mm-hmm. we've been there for shows where they yeah. let you with, with big people who were they like let back there. Us, we just stand there behind <laughs> the stage and wait. But then they will be like, psych, no, yeah, the there's a whole house there. over yeah, here yeah, where you yeah, can just hang crazy. out and get crazy. Damn, so but dude. if that was except like if they had that is usable space or at least an official green room, that could be like a positive change.
2: Yeah, dude. I mean, if they if they just I don't they shouldn't rebrand it in my opinion. But then again, uh, I have nothing to do with it. But like they should keep the Wednesday karaoke going. Hell yeah. That was, that's that's why I said you're the first karaoke. person I thought of because I just remember like. <laughs> one I'm sure the, they're going to keep that cuz
0: I'm sure that's a fucking money maker. Yeah man. Yeah,
2: dude. But the question is is it going to be a smooth transition like are they going to close for a bit and then let the new owners come in and do <laughs> yeah, shit no or clue. And the worst yeah.
1: part is is like it most most times you hear about this like a business everybody knows and is cool and local and it gets sold it's like they always try to change it or they try to just say like, well, this is the three things that work. So we're only going to do those. And then mm-hmm. everything else is new, you know? And it's like, that sucks. Cause then you stuff like comedy is probably not going to factor into that anymore. Yeah.
0: Or it's going to be like, I don't know. Cause they've like started bringing in like bigger name comics and yeah. stuff. I feel like it would just transition to just more of that instead of having like local showcases.
1: but second Saturday shit Show has got to do good money there because it's oh, a yeah. it's consistently great show and they get they get good names. yeah, I
0: hope uh yeah, I hope. When 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 is the transition? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I hope it's after December because that's when I'm on the second Saturday yeah. show. <laughs> at the, are gonna
2: be there.
1: It's gonna be all building materials. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking styrofoam everywhere.
2: I do feel that there would be a silver lining if the, if they if they came back and turned the auto bar into a place that focused a little bit more on bigger acts. It could, I mean, it could displace a little bit of the local showcases. I could see that, but at the same time, it would be kind of cool to have a venue like downtown, downtown, that kind of... Because McGoobie's does a lot for... Like when when they bring in touring acts and stuff like that, they still have people featuring and opening and it gives comedians a chance to like perform alongside like nationally touring acts and stuff like that. That would be cool to have a place like downtown that does that too. Because there's so many places down there that do the local showcases already. Like you have Motor House and things like that. Mm -hmm. But like I feel like that could be a good thing potentially. If they if they went in that direction, the question is: Are they going to focus more on the music and, and kind of ditch comedy? But if they were bringing in like some pretty solid comedy acts, there's I mean, really, there's not that many places in Baltimore that do that. You have Magoobies, you have the Comedy s- Factory, Comedy yeah, Factory. Factory. Where else? I and mean, I can't even, unless you're playing the fucking Royal Farms Arena, like you know, where where do you go? It could be. I'm just saying, it could be a good thing if they find a way to keep the same. Ambiance and culture about the auto bar, but like up in a notch, that could be dope.
1: Yeah, I hope that comedy. See, dude. Yeah, I hope comedy isn't the thing that gets cut out of the equation because yeah. they do put on good shows there, and like Michael Ian Black always goes back there, so it's like they can make it. But you know, it's like I'm scared that the person who would want to buy the auto bar would be because what they know of it as a music venue, and just be like, oh, we just need to do music all the time. Because yeah. I mean, a lot of people were saying too that. There hasn't been a lot of music at the Auto Bar for a long time. Yeah. It's much more dance parties and comedy. Mm-hmm. So I, I am.
0: I'm sure, I bet those dance parties make fucking more money than some oh, of those yeah. music shows. Well, I used to go to those all the time. I've been to like, like, like some of the music shows where it's like, it's like, it's dope that it's like local, but also like at the same time, like, if you had a fucking emo night that night, it would have been sold
1: out. Yeah. If it was Britney versus Madonna versus yeah, Gaga or like dance party. Jay-Z versus Yay yeah. versus Beyonce or whatever. Dude, I remember going to a fucking Michael Jackson versus Prince dance party there and the shit was amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I know who bought it.
2: We gotta talk soon, dude. We gotta fucking put in a bid at, for the entire if the entire Baltimore comedy scene was like, Yeah, we're gonna pitch in like six bucks. Right. See if we can fucking buy this yeah, shit. All, Make
0: our own comic it eight million of us. <laughs> pitch in thirty cents. But only comics who have
1: decent jobs, so like four <laughs> comics. <laughs> yeah, to do the one point five million dollar bid. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll do like each do our own individual. GoFundMe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dude, that would be kinda cool though if the auto bar became like publicly owned. That's not even a real thing. It's not. It could be like fucking uh, the Fells Point Theater. Like that's not for profit, right? Yeah. These are all th- terrible ideas, Miss right yeah, <laughs> Bippt. Yeah, you we, you, <laughs> don't not,
1: you don't want a not for profit <laughs> comedy club. That's because you can't sell booze. Get, get a bunch of anything. already <laughs> in-debt comedians in debt comedians and more. <laughs> I paid off my debt, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like, get back in there. I, I, think that, I think there needs to be another Baltimore Comedy Club. I really do. Yeah. But who's that person that's going to do it?
2: Motorhouse is starting to make moves, dude. Yeah. They're starting to make moves. Mm. Fucking Ivan behind the reins, the mayor of Motorhouse. Fucking, they could do something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's good spaces, but still it's like the... <laughs> all, the every problem with Baltimore comedy and not being able to run and produce shows that are consistent is because the audiences aren't consistent, you know, because mm-hmm. there's just not a vibe in Baltimore where people are like, oh, and we're going to go out and see comedy. We know that there's comedy in the city. You still, pretty much every time you do a show, you have people like, I never knew this happened here. Where where else is there comedy? And it's just yeah. like, I don't know why you would live in any big city and not assume there's some sort of stand-up comedy, but it is a what you would call an underground scene because it is bar comedy and locally-owned small theater spaces and small venues, mm-hmm. you know, and comedy is their secondary thing. It's not comedy clubs, and people who are not actively seeking it out are never going to just come across it. Yeah, you know? They're not going to be like oh, what are we going to do tonight? Oh, let's check what this music venue is doing That's we know is not music tonight.
2: Well, how do you feel about the showcase to open mic ratio as compared to other cities that you're familiar with? Like, do we have more? Because I feel like a potential issue is that, like, open mics are cool for comedians, but, like, from an audience perspective, it's not always the best, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we had more showcases and things like that where we were had, like, solid lineups, like six comedian lineups, where an audience could come out and see you know, six, ten minute sets back to back solid that they might be more inclined than if they see like one good set and then some fucking squeegee boy and a crazy person and then like another funny set and just like, all right, I could probably go without seeing this for another until I wind up here again. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Until
1: I accidentally find a comedy show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think like bars probably make more consistent money off of open mics just because comedians will at least come out and drink. Because that's the thing. Again, it's about the audiences. Like, there's very few showcases that we can think of that happen every month that get a consistent draw. And even them, you know, they have their ups and downs, of course, like every venue does. But it's like a lot of other cities. If it's a showcase on the same level as the showcases we throw here, there's usually a more built-in audience. Like if mm-hmm. you go to Philly and like do Milk Boy South, which is basically just Zizmo's on South Street. Hmm but there's usually like five times as many people there to see the show. Wow. You know, and it's just because there's not a, there's a culture there of people knowing we can go out and see stand-up tonight. Because it's hard, too, because you got to keep a show going. you got to keep it going long enough that it becomes established, and that's hard to do. It's hard to keep people involved when there's usually no money involved. Or you end up paying out of your pocket. I know a lot of people who produce monthly showcases who end up paying comedians out of their own pocket if the night's not good.
2: Yeah. Here's a question. Have you ever considered doing... Comedy, like straight comedy, not improv, but like straight comedy events at the Fell's Point Theater.
1: Yeah, they do. Like Rob Smallwood just did his his showcase there with Valence and Ronald James, yeah, and Mike I Smith, think, yeah. and uh, it was great. Yeah, I mean, apparently had a really good turnout and stuff. And uh, I wasn't there, but you know, it was apparently <laughs> I, I I wasn't there, but you know, I, apparently was good. And they they do that kind of stuff. You know, there's yeah can fit into special events. I'm a film yeah. fucking special there because yeah. that's
2: another thing I would say like is is a factor. Like because Fell's Point is a more, I would say, if you're not, if you don't live in the city, Fell's Point is a more like uh, a place that would be more appealing for people to come down and oh, yeah. come through. You know what I'm saying? Like before I started like hanging out downtown more often, like even going to the auto bar, it wasn't like it was just like it was just like of, I was just like what? Like bands from like the county would have shows at the auto bar, and I'd be like. Dude, we need a fucking venue in Towson. Like going to the water bar just seemed like fucking <laughs> like annoying for some reason. Cause it just just but like if there was a place in like an area where people are already fucking high traffic yeah. area where people are like, oh yeah right down on fucking Fleet Street yeah I'll fucking go to that of course yeah and
1: also you can walk to everything else after that you can just keep
2: being mm-hmm. downtown
1: and just spend the whole night yeah I mean it's like we had tons of walk ups that were just people walking down the street and they just saw the amazing poster that Jordan Levine did for the show. And they're just like, what is this? Santa Claus must die. It's a skull. Let's see it, you know, and Mm -hmm. just because they were there, you know, and that doesn't happen in a lot of parts of the city.
2: That is just a weird thing about the city. It's like New York is like the city that never sleeps. But Baltimore is like in most parts, it's like bars close, like like sidebar closes immediately after the open mic at like 11. It's just like it's kind of weird to me. It's like you go down the sidebar and it's the only place. In like that block, in like that four-block area, that's doing anything. So, like you go there specifically for that. There's no pre-game spot. There's no post-game spot. There's no any type of like like act set of activities or set of like culture that could be built around it. It's just like this one isolated thing in this one isolated area, which is again why I mean it's similar. I, I would say similar with the auto bar because like auto bar is kind of like a little out of the way from like the next closest place. Where I would just say is like what motor house is pretty close, but even motor house is closing at fucking like midnight. And it's just like, it, 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 that all, that stuff all makes a difference, you know. I guarantee you, when you go to fucking Milk Boy, whatever, in Philly, they have bars up oh, and yeah. down the strip where you can go see the comedy, you can go out with people after, and that all factors in, dude. It does, because that, that was the main thing that I remember noting when I would go to see these local shows at the Auto Bar. It was just like, okay, we're gonna go to the Auto Bar, and the show's gonna end, and we all just have to like drive back home like it just it was just like it just sick like seemed odd to me. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't seem as odd to me anymore because I I'm like more immersed in it now. So it just seems like the way it is. Yeah. But I can still kind of step back and look at it objectively and kind of see why it's not necessarily as appealing to people who aren't actively looking to find it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah totally. Cuz it it's
1: weird too cuz it's like there's still such a inconsistent level of people who will pay to come and see shows that like if there are multiple shows happening within a close distance of each other like if there's three comedy shows happening in the same night in Hamden like someone is feeling like the hit of that it's not like oh great and all three shows had a great night it's like no the the (coughs) audience is going to only one of those shows it's Mm -hmm. like the same audience you know Mm because there's just not a lot of people who are like Going out just randomly walking around to see, you know, like Hamden is becoming that area where people yeah. just randomly come across. And stuff. It, like it should be more of that, so, like yeah. kind of
0: area. but I don't know why, like, I feel like, um, like Zismo's, the top floor should have been bigger by now. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, it's been going on for like five years. Yeah. It's like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's just like a lot of, uh, opinions about
2: yeah there's been a lot place. of yeah there's been a <laughs> lot of um it seems like a lot of disagreements on how they want the show to yeah. go yeah,
1: yeah and you know the the other thing is it's like uh, you know there's a certain like type of person who hangs out in hamden that like mm-hmm. is unappealing to people who are just randomly like let's go to the city like they do not want to be in the middle of like a Heroin fueled screaming match like that guy yeah. who's like Pitbull got into a fight, and it's just two like fucking white trash Baltimore dudes screaming in the street. And you're like, Yeah, that's not like so fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this ambiance? I don't know what this is. is this is do have the color? original Rofo. Yeah, well, we do have the original <laughs> Rofo. <laughs> you know, second floor. Yeah, I said it the second floor in the Rofo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's funny too because like, you know, we have like the people who do hang out in Hamden are like oh, do you have $5 to see a show? You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, I bet you broke, you know, Cross yeah, Punks yeah. and oh, you know, Mikey know, Kids and stuff. Dude. And it's like, yeah. I get that. You know, I'm more in that group than the
0: that group was kind of affluent people. That was the crazy thing walking around near the Fells Point Theater or the Corner Theater today. There's so many families in that neighborhood. Dude. It was insane.
1: People have, like, real houses and lives and money and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. This is not like Hamden. We're like, this house is uh, empty, and this (laughs) house is a bunch of kids. who go to college together. You're
0: like, we own these houses. I fucking was in my backyard last night, and I just heard, like, my neighbor, like, three doors down, yelling across the alley to the neighbor across the street, being like, yeah, you see this jacket? He's like, no, I haven't seen that one before. He's like, yeah, $300, man, $300. It's like, all right. Where am I
2: living right now? Yeah. Do you guys have phones? <laughs> <laughs> just yelling at each other from their mouth. <laughs>
1: like I, I think I live in a pretty nice block in <coughs> Hamden, but still like three o'clock in the morning, it is still like the Hamden shit show out there. It's still yeah, like, really? Amber, get I back in that car. Yeah, I don't get any of that, locally. I just hear like a yeah. lot. It's because the, Rofo's so my, uh, <laughs> in the in Rofo so close. The Rofo brings them in, room. dude. It's like yeah, a fucking moth. Yeah. It's like to a flame, and the dude, moths are yeah. just like, "You better give me back my phone." Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: um, yeah, my old house. You would have thought that I wouldn't have heard anything because that was like a pretty residential street, like yeah, a lot of families. Totally. but since my window faced like out towards Wyman Park, there's just this dude that I would hear screaming in the middle of the night, <laughs> like the entire time I lived there, like. Rain, sleet, snow, (laughs) whatever. I just hear. (laughs) At like one in the morning, two in the morning, from the fucking woods,
3: like every night. Just
0: getting attacked by
1: a bear for a year straight. straight. No one. Somebody's gotta
2: hear me by now.
1: (laughs) nobody wants to do anything about it Dude, Everybody's they, just the like, one eh. bad
0: snow we had he just kept screaming out his name <laughs> my name is Dada. I was like oh my god what the fuck is going <laughs> well, to happen to this funny, guy
1: <laughs> yeah I mean that's I think that's probably why there's so many people like doing stuff like specials and projects in Baltimore because they're like how can I let people who are not here see this <laughs> <laughs> there are so many other people who care about this other places yeah. so I wish yeah. they could see what I'm doing here. (laughs) Damn, dude. But you know, it's like it's still like you know, I'm very invested in Baltimore, you know, but at the same time it's like it's still cheaper for me to live here and go to New York for a week and do paid gigs there and then come back Mm -hmm. and live here. Yeah. Than to just live there and do them with their clothes.
2: And it is kind of a double edged sword, I guess, if that's the right terminology. But like because on one hand, like we were saying, there is not necessarily a, a Quality scene built up in as compared to like Philly or New York or DC or something like that. But because it hasn't been established, it, the, it's open territory. It is like the wild. It's like Red Dead Redemption down it is here. Projection. It is, dude.
1: I knew the conversation would
0: quickly waiting, turn to dude. us back yeah. to talk about Red Dead Redemption too. <laughs> I'm waiting to bring it up, and he hasn't even played it yet. Couldn't
2: oh wait, man. dude. I'm just playing it in my mind through this conversation. It's all I can talk about
1: with anybody else who's playing it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It reminds me a lot of like when Skyrim first came out, and you would just talk to people who were playing it, and you'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, "What that. happened to you today? Like, what did you do today? You know, because just so much random shit happens." that has nothing to do with like the story. You're just like, yeah. I saw this, I did this, it was crazy, everybody Dude, I died. Caught a, uh, <laughs> caught a 13-pound,
0: 7-ounce fish the other day. Nice. Like a big boy in oh, yeah.
2: real in the game Red Dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, not in real life. Not no. in real life. It's like the um, new childhood
0: experience. <laughs> <then>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your dad took you fishing today? No, I was playing a rated M video game. <laughs> it, it was in the old west though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually took a boy fishing though. Yeah. <laughs> just I a did. boy yourself? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> After I killed his father. <laughs> but it's weird too because that game is kind of heavy. You know, like there's a lot of like. Serious shit that goes down, like while you're playing it, you're like, Oh, dude, I got into a thing and I ended up killing some dude. Nah, <laughs> yeah, I, feel like, bad. So, like, I sucked I, out venom on some random guy yeah, on the me side of the road. But he bought me something later. He oh, was like, nice. Hey, you can pick anything out of the store you want. I was like, Thank oh, you. Yeah. Please don't tell anybody I sucked the poison out of your thigh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, but like, it because of that, like, I've been trying to offset it. Like, if I don't have time to play Red Dead, I'm like, uh, I think I'm going to play Minecraft. I need to, like, I really just need something light. <laughs> That's yeah, is- red
0: dead's a little like intense sometimes like yeah i like uh when i was just fucking like last weekend i just fucking stayed in all weekend because i was like i just like i don't feel good i want to get better and then like i couldn't even really p- play red dead that much because i just wanted to like sit there and watch tv uh-huh. like red dead is pretty intense you, you're like, you can't just like focus the whole yeah, time yeah you can't like just like zone out and play that game mm-hmm. Cause then a fucking like snake will you'll step on it by accident you'll get fucking bit and die in like ten minutes. Would <laughs> you like I didn't fucking. fall
1: off a mountain with your horse? and then yeah, it's yeah, broken and yeah, dies. I like, <laughs> press like
0: fucking a little bit right on the tr- the thumbstick and you'll run into a fucking tree and see your <laughs> horse do like a backflip <laughs> and on its neck and you're like, oh, I hope you don't fucking die, Oreo. You know, I fucking need you to live, Oreo. I don't
1: want to have to carry my saddle all the way back. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do
2: you get to name your horse or is that the name yeah. of the no, horse? Yeah, I named my horse
1: Oreo. That's- my horse's name is Barb.
2: Barb, that's her a good name, horse She's name. a
1: brawny broad. Her name, is, <laughs> her name is Barb. I had a horse named Jeff, and while I was playing cards, I didn't have him tethered, and he got hit by a train. Yeah. So, so
2: <laughs> you, like when you die, you don't just restart at the same place. Like what happens? Uh, like, you, you your horse.
1: Like, you kind of okay. So if you're in the middle of a mission, you can go back to a checkpoint to like keep going in the mission. But if yeah. you're just running around the world, you kind of just restart at like the like next campfire, sort of, like, campfire, or, some or spawn yeah. point, and you lose some money. You lose like ten percent of your money, I yeah, guess. Yeah damn it's kind of like grand theft auto yeah dude like that the i
0: was playing for like a week probably and i didn't die and i felt good about myself and then i like finished this mission and i was just like riding back to my camp and then all of a sudden i like it was like night and i saw this like campfire up on the ridge and then like these people just like spot me and be like hey there's one of those like O'Driscoll guys or whatever. not a driscoll but fucking like dutch's last name yeah, yeah. Or whatever it was like some rival gang that like had it out for our gang like hey there's dotted out from that gang and then they all just ran down and slaughtered my ass out of <laughs> oh, the blue shit. I like I just like hunted a deer I had a deer on my horse I was like oh yeah I'm gonna fucking take this back to the butcher <laughs> help my fucking camp out get some honor I'm fucking
1: dead instantly yep. Yeah, you was, get uh, honor? yeah you get honor or disgrace or like you know bad points it shows you how like good or evil you are if you like murder someone and then loot their dead body you lose points if you help people yeah there's people, like a scale yeah it goes out. I'm finally now better good more good than I was bad cuz oh, I was nice. bad for a long time <laughs> but like literally there was these raiders and I like they were in their camp and they came for me kind of like what Eric was saying and so I had these incendiary rounds in my gun so I shot them and it like burned the whole campsite down but then I looked and with the eagle vision and I could see that there were items I could collect in the in the in their little encampment. So I was like, well, let me wait till the fire dies down. And it was mostly died down and I go to collect it and I just got caught on fire and died. And they were all dead and I couldn't loot their bodies cuz they were just like charred up. I was like, oh damn, I did too much. And then their whole camp was on fire and then I'm on fire. I was like, fuck, I just, yeah. just killed myself. Damn, damn it. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, I've done some dumb shit in that game because definitely, like, if you like fall down a cliff or something, mm. you're pretty fucked. Yeah, even if you live, it's like, oh, good luck getting back up there. Yeah. Good, good luck, dude.
0: Dude, I love sneaking up onto like little rival gang encampments though, yeah. and like them just all being around the fire, uh-huh. just sitting uh, and <laughs> fucking tossing all dynamite in
1: there. Uh huh. Like, I like the fire arrows Boy. too. I like to just like start shooting them and yeah. set them all on fire. <laughs> Little. it's a good game but yes that's the so comedy good. scene is a lot like that. what <laughs> we were saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just nice. sneaking up. and the nice thing too like compared to other cities and like we hear a lot is that like there's a lot of talent in baltimore that is not like a higher level but there's so much variety here too mm-hmm. with people's personal styles of comedy that's like very refreshing to people who do comedy in cities that have like a bigger, more developed scene. Yeah. You know, they're like, wow, you guys are all really good. And, there's not nine of you in a row who are doing the exact same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not and like also seven people, Louies, two Sarah yeah. Silvermans. <laughs> My girlfriend is crazy. Like yeah. for like eight sets in a row. But then, <laughs> Kevin Hart and other people from other, especially bigger cities where they do more comedy, they hate the fact that we all get along so well. <laughs> people really? hate that. They're like, wow, you guys like really seem to like each other." I'm like, "Yeah, we're all going to karaoke together after yeah, this." Yeah. They're like, "What the fuck?" Like people from New York comedians, they do not get along yeah that was a uh, ivan's big
0: thing too when he came up he was like y'all aren't like competitive y'all don't have like a hierarchy or like you don't have like a system where you know you're better than someone i'm like yeah it's their, you know, it's the Baltimore comedy scene. This yeah. isn't like a big, like
2: you know. We just have honor and disgrace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're
1: all suffering through it together, which should be Baltimore's motto, because we're just like, yeah, we're all just gonna try to survive this together and just do our <laughs> thing. <laughs> also, to too, it's it, like baby. if somebody's gonna book you, I don't feel like that should have been me. If they want you, it's different than me. So, yeah. like, or you like, want that? Oh, cool. This. I'll just
0: wait till next month when they book that show and see if I get booked.
1: Yeah. And people are pretty fair. I mean, pretty much everybody who books showcases like seem to give everybody of of the pool of us who book shows in a consistent basis. Yeah. Like everybody gets a shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if, you know, it's not about who owes you a shot. It's really about, is it your turn to get up again? Yeah. I couldn't do that. I couldn't live in a city where it's like, oh, I'm
2: never going to book
1: you ever because you're not part of this group of people I book. Yeah, yeah. And like.
2: What? It's not necessarily like there is no hierarchy. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously comedians that like, like, I at least I have an idea of like who the like the good ones are and who the fucking yeah. terrible ones yeah. are. And but like, it's like you know, it's not out in the open. But like, it's there like, is a list. I mean, you it's just, definitely just, like just the
0: cream rises it. to the crop in any situation. So yeah. like, yeah. whoever yeah. the, I mean, the whoever is like on yeah. a fucking streak and doing good, they're gonna get booked than someone yeah. who isn't you know
1: yeah, and the, you know i mean and there's always of course like imbalance there and there's always like why doesn't this person hasn't haven't they booked me in a while but it's like i i think it, it we're pretty respectful here of the idea of like if you are doing it and it works for you even if i don't love it like you should be able to do it you know yeah. it's like there's a lot of comedians where i was like oh i don't particularly think you're all that funny but you book a lot of shows and people like you and you do good shows and mm. you're successful in that way, so you should be on shows. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's hard to cause like we, we really do have like graduating classes, I think, rather than like clicks. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of clicks. I think it's more like these are all the people who were doing it around the same time. Like pretty much everyone that we talk to as like friends in comedy. We've all been kind of doing it around the same amount of time yeah. and have been reaching those levels where we get our first opportunity and then if it's good, you get brought back at all these different showcases. Mm-hmm. And there's like a class under us that's coming up, you know, that it's like, it's their turn now. It's their turn to do all the showcases and host for their first time and yeah. get their first chance at Magoobies and all this stuff like that, you know, where we're, and we're all kind of, Going beyond that, our our little graduating class of whatever you want to call it mm. <laughs> of PC, we just sort of like PC comedy that yeah. ruined comedy. Uh, yeah, we ruined comedy. <laughs> we ruined comedy. Uh, I think like we're all now starting to find our individual places that we exist in comedy, mm-hmm. and sometimes that takes you out of just strictly stand up.
3: Yeah, yeah. But
1: I was saying the other day, like to our f- group of friends, I was like, I think it's amazing that we're all doing such cool individual things, and it's not like we're all getting these great high paid stand up gigs at the biggest clubs, but everybody's doing something cool that is related to their comedy that makes them a success in their individual field.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's like amazing because yeah. it's like, well, it would be almost worse if we were all just waiting to get the same spot at the same club yeah, for, exactly. for the same paycheck. Yeah. No, we're all making cool. it work.
2: That actually really is a good way of putting it, the way you said graduating classes, because that's what I meant when I was like, there is like, I, I can see yeah. the levels. Yeah. But it's not. It's not like the the way I would imagine what you guys are referring to, like maybe in a place like New York where it's like, oh, that guy's like, he's this and like, you know, this, that, the other thing. But yeah, I would say that, yeah, graduating class is a good way of putting it.
1: Yeah, I can't think of any like comedians who are like working consistently and get, not just like the stand-up gigs, but the other stuff that comes along with being a working comic. Like you get, you do podcasts and promotion and hosting and events and sometimes corporate or whatever all those things random shit that we do host dog bingo like i did two (laughs) weeks ago (laughs) for money i'm a working comic bitch but it's like at the same time uh i don't see many of those people who do that and don't have like a network of people you know they're always a part of some other big group you know it's not like a lot of people are just like yeah and i do this too you're like no you and all your friends yeah i'll make it happen so yeah, yeah so i think it's cool i mean I feel like so lucky meeting comedians from other cities who I can tell just by the way they interact with us or, you know, anybody. I'm like, oh, yeah, you are not used to going to a place where comedians (laughs) are going to treat you nice. Yeah. Because we're always like, here's all the mics. You should come back. Please come and do my (laughs) show. You know, and then you go to. New York, and I'm like, oh, you don't even make eye contact with me, yeah,
2: yeah. But like, the tears, like, so, like, for instance, Mike Quinlan was on a confessional last week, mm-hmm. and he's like pals with Mike Stork, yeah. And like, I consider that like a class, like those oh, yeah. guys that were all doing it that long. And I'm like, you got then you have guys like Mickey Coachella who are in the same, like, but it's again, it's not like anybody's better, it's just like, oh, that's just those dudes, you know, yeah. And then like, this circle is very you know, you have Ivan Mark, you, and all these guys, and that's like a thing. You guys are definitely the youngest generation, dude, I would say. Or at least yeah, the youngest the, the youngest uh How long have you been doing comedy?
1: Only like 5 years. Yeah, that's what I meant. Youngest
2: yeah. in terms of like I think tenure. it all
1: comes with seniority and experience. So it's like I think everybody will start to get those better opportunities cuz they'll find those individual relationships or situations that work so well for them that they can follow that path to whatever extent that is. Like Mike Stork it's those great, you know, he does like, he's really great in Canada. He always like mm-hmm. sells out all these rooms. You know, and he does that because he's proven himself to be able to do that. So it's like whenever we all start to get whatever our individual opportunities are, situations are, we can hopefully and probably prove ourselves there and follow that until it's a, something of high esteem or high enough regard that you can say, like, wow, look at me. I'm a professional comedian as opposed to just someone who does comedy. Yeah, Yeah. And it's weird, too, because Baltimore's a very open mic comedy scene. There's a lot of open micers, but there's so many people, especially right now, I've noticed, who are open mic comedians who don't really seem to have any desire to... Do comedy like professionally, yeah. which is a cool. I mean, I guess if
0: you just want to like do it as a pastime, it's it. It's like getting to a weird spot in Baltimore where like comedy is getting to be more of a known thing here, yeah. and like I don't know how to say it without sounding mean, but <laughs> I don't know.
1: But you have a lot of people who are doing it, and it's it sort of lowers the I don't want to say quality, but like the value of it because there's people who are doing it. F- F- flippantly yeah. or Where without like regard they, for the quality they, of it
0: like they they like the idea of them doing comedy but then like they don't do comedy but
2: that's going to be like that in my opinion what you guys are describing is the natural progression of how a city scene is built because it shows that like you have to start off with the people like the people who are just going to do it as a pastime are not going to be the ones who are going to go out there and kind of carve the path to get these open mics going so it's going to take people that want to build the scene they establish it and then once people that don't really care about it that much hear about it like oh yeah there's comedy they'll come out and they'll participate in it, which in turn does take away from the overall value of like the comedy in general, yeah. but it shows that that the comedy scene is getting established to a point where now people are starting to catch on. And then you have these terrible shitty people that come out and tell all their friends to come out, and they might bomb in front of their friends, but they might see you and Eric and Ivan go up and kill, you know? Yeah. And so that that brings those people in that only came to see their fucking busboy friend who, you know, tells funny jokes at work, you know, mm-hmm. bomb on stage. <laughs> but that's a cool thing. It's the same thing with music them Mike. assume. You go to music... Open, I I go to music open mics all the time. The Majority of people that are performing there are not people that are playing full time, professionally, stuff like that. It's just people mm-hmm. that like go there, they want to try a song and stuff like that. But that shows me that like there's an interest in doing it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I
1: I like don't under. I know that like I have a different mindset than most people about comedy and performing and every. I mean, everything I do, I just consider comedy, whether whatever mm-hmm. it is like i I don't get that people don't have the drive to like oh but where is this gonna take me and how is this gonna make this my thing like like Mm -hmm. my best friend she's a teacher and she teaches these art programs to kids and she had this like syllabus she came up with that was really exciting and they were gonna use it and they said oh we're gonna teach the other teachers this it's this great program and i was like you should make videos where you're doing these art program projects and like People love it, man, because you're like really interesting character and you have these great ideas. And she's like, well, they're already going to use them in the school. Why would I do that? Oh, right. You're not trying to do this so that you'll get famous from yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you're just doing it because... You want to do it. um, You're trying to help the kids. You're trying to to teach the kids art. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's just my drive, you know, is to be like, okay, well, then how can I take this to a thing where eventually everybody could see it or everybody would know about it, you know? So I think that's, you know, there's people who are like, I just really love doing comedy. And I'm like, I really love practicing the comedy I'm doing for you. And eventually we'll do for more people. <laughs> but
2: the, the cool thing is, is there's lessons that you can learn from people like that. Yeah, Because I, I feel like I relate to you, obviously, a lot in that category where it's like everything I do, there's always this looming thing in the back of my mind. I'm like, how does this, how does this play out in the grand scheme? Like, yeah. Is this a step in the right direction, a step in the wrong direction? Very rarely do I find myself doing anything just for the raw enjoyment of it. I mean, I don't I do yeah. anything for the raw enjoyment. Like, I, I don't even fucking take a walk half the time unless I can justify myself. All right, is this going to make me, like, more insane? All right, I'm going to go to fucking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 7-Eleven. I need, I need a purpose if yeah. I'm going to do something. But, like, I think that it, when you do something for the raw enjoyment, like, when these people come and they, they go to an open mic and just play a song that they just wanted to play, and they're not thinking, like, is there going to be someone in the crowd that can book me at this place? Is there going to be this, that, the other thing? It, 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 I, not only does it make the experience more enjoyable, but it, it kind of puts you more in the state of mind of this actual state of mind you should be when you're an artist. Yeah. It, you, you you start getting too focused on the like the advancement aspect of it, and then you forget the the, the whole purpose of why you're doing it in the first place. Why, why do I, why, why is it that I want to get famous? in comedy versus anything else? What draws me to this versus that? And if you lose touch with your passion for it and just doing it, but like in the same, on the same token, like what you're talking about with that teacher, this art teacher, the problem I think is that a lot, you have people that have that passion are teaching kids. Like for instance, like you direct improv, but you also have that same, so like you can, you're able to, I, I assume, see somebody that's learning from you and pick out that this is another person like me that also wants to pursue this. And you can actually kind of give them more insight into what that experience is going to be like versus like an art teacher somewhere else at some like high school or something. They're not necessarily cultivating the actual, like the kids that do want to take it to the next level. They don't have nothing to learn from you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you can learn technique and and passion, but it's like if you're not like yeah, you can teach me how to like draw this and that, but if you're not teaching me how to like make myself something as a result of it, then like what am I what am I here for? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's weird too because like you know, I
1: enjoy doing comedy so much, but it's like at this point in my life that I do as much comedy stuff as I do like a day job. it, It it feels a lot like work. You know, it's mm-hmm. like between like producing shows and running spaces and directing and doing theater and doing improv, like all of it. It's like, it is definitely a job, but at the same time, like the act of actually being on stage is still like the only reason it's worth doing it. Like, <laughs> Certainly not because it makes so much money. Like I could, <laughs> like, I, I know people who are like, oh, I'm going to keep coaching improv or teach, keep writing, doing joke writing workshops, but I'm not going to do stand up anymore. And like, that's like the whole reason I do any of this is so that I can get on stage and tell jokes or perform. Like yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's like the only real pay like that because, you know, that's why we end up doing it for free so much, you yeah. know, because it's just like, well, yeah, sure. This this is for people I already know and who will already book me and I don't owe them anything other than just my time. But I also want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I also
2: want to get up there and do it for, you know, at a show. And yeah. It, yeah. And- Happiness is so, like, subjective, too. Because, like, yeah. you, I, you might... Like, I'll look at a guy who's, like, twice my age or, like, in his 40s... Like me. He, well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll look at a guy... But, like, but that's the other thing. with music, music and comedy have totally different timelines. Like, oh, I man. honestly... I, I'm kind of in that ballpark. Where I don't even feel like you can honestly be a killer comedian until you're at least in, like, your 30s. Because I, I just, like, when you look at guys... You need, like, like, life experience yeah, and shit. Like music is totally different music is like you know but when i look at guys who are like playing the same gigs that i'm playing in like their 40s and stuff like that i'll be like damn like they must feel unfulfilled like you know but i'm basing it off of what i want for myself and i'm not basing it off of what they may want for themselves you know so like and and all happiness is i heard this uh it was on the Elon Musk thing that he did with Joe Rogan he said happiness is expectations no, happiness is reality minus expectations, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Basically, so like I'm looking at these guys who are playing music for a living but aren't fucking selling out and famous and shit. And I'm like, oh man, they must not be happy. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what if that's not what they want? Right. What if they literally are just happy because they get to raise a family and do what they want for a living? and be an alcoholic and not have to be (laughs) held accountable for it. (laughs) That's happiness. have an excuse for it. Exactly. I'm a musician. (laughs) Like it adds up but like like yeah it's all based off of so that's why it kind of goes back to what I was saying before it's like I envy people that have less expectations Yeah. because I would be way happier. Because the reality is the same. Yeah. So have, uh, yeah, yeah. You, the mathematical like we're equation. We're in the same situation <laughs> except happier. one of us is way happier. Yeah. yeah, dude. You know?
1: We would have had
0: fucking houses by now. Yeah. <laughs> we would have had like a dog that loved us. Yeah, a
2: dog <laughs> that loves us. Teaching a kid how to throw a baseball by no,
0: now. No, not a kid yet. Not a kid. No, dude, that's because well. you're not happy,
2: bro. <laughs> yeah. If you were happy, you'd want to program I
0: was happy. I'd be a 26-year-old with a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you could have a couple by now. Oof. Well, that's the thing.
1: It's like I've never had like machinations for that kind of stuff like the idea machinations, of
2: machinations like, that's a word yeah. is it it's a real word it is I think yeah it's when you I mean, eat, it really, really sold, it. It. It's it's when when sold it sold it. you to macaroon and uh, I instantly knew what you meant by mac, it yeah, mac, yeah you know yeah. Like, a,
1: macina- like a plan to make it happen desires yeah. dreams to make it happen but you kind of plan it out like to like have like I the idea of like working in an office and that's my job like like I can't Live like that? Does anybody like have
2: machinations have. for that, or are people yeah?
1: Well, like I think, think no, so. but they have machinations for the stuff that goes along with it, like, like family manager one
0: day, or yeah, more like just the... like
1: I can afford a house and support my family and stuff. Yeah. But like that means nothing to me. You know, I'm like, what can I do that will fulfill my what I want to do and what I want to put in the world and be a part of like that's all that matters like it has nothing to do with the situation I'm in it has to do with like what I'm doing with it
2: yeah and I guess yeah. from my perspective I've always looked at people that work like 9 to 5s that they don't like or whatever as like oh well this is just they just found a way to kind of like support a life and that was like they they, they weren't necessarily looking for fulfillment out of their job You know what I'm saying? Like, they. I imagine those people go to work the same way I used to go to school. Like, school was like this necessary thing that I just had to do, and then it was Friday, and I was like, "Oh, it's Friday!" It's like like
0: a thing that they made their life outside of work. But like with comedy or music or anything like that, like that's your life. Yeah. 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 Like your life is your work, but I don't know. It's like, and I don't know if it would be nice to have like a separation of that because, like, I don't know. Maybe if like you got to a point where you like hated doing it, it would get to that like to that like guy who's like, I'm just doing this fucking clock in, clock out, and go home, watch fucking uh, Big
2: Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is what those those machinations watch, dude. <laughs> I, I like, like that, that word, dude. Uh, it's getting really incorporated the lexicon lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to say as many times in this conversation to make up for the 26 years that I've never said. You're right. I gotta bring my average <laughs> up. into the lexicon of it's your vernacular. Hour,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the weird thing is too. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not like part of the hundred percent of what most people are like in lots of ways, you know, but. I, I don't know. I mean, my parents always seemed really unhappy. You know, like they worked really hard. They had kids. They had like what would be like a happy life, but they didn't seem fulfilled. They were just waiting until they worked enough that they could stop working and do what they wanted to do.
3: Yeah,
1: I'm like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Like I don't yeah. want to build mm-hmm. up to that. I don't yeah. need to like work towards having free time to fulfill my passions and follow my dreams. Like I was thinking about this. <laughs> you probably guys never watched Oprah. But back in the day, I watched a lot of Oprah. It's a yeah. really good show this explains a lot. Explains a lot. That's why I'm so s- knowledgeable. But, like they always That's how have you learn sh- that word. <laughs> they would literally like do these episodes where it'd be like, you know, like this woman, like, oh, I left my my high-pressure job as the CEO of a corporation, and I followed my dream to weave baskets and make soaps. You know, it's just like, <laughs> like well, yeah, you were a CEO. Of course you can do that. But it just proves that it's like the job that pays the most money and puts you in the best situation, if there's something else that is, you have an honest passion about, your best case scenario is that you can make enough money to stop doing that thing, so you can do the thing you're passionate about. And then there's people who just don't have passions that rely that fall outside of their extracurricular activities. Yeah. So this passion yeah. is their family, or going to church, or reading books, or yeah. whatever, and that's great. And then they can support that life by just working a job. But like my my machinations are to <laughs> not have to work a full time job where I'm not happy and doing shit yeah. for other people. I want to be a full time. Comedian, director, producer, or writer.
2: At the same time, I would say that you need to maintain, like we were saying earlier, you need to find some way. Once you, once you do make it so that your life is your job or your job is your life, you, you need to have some type of separation yeah. from that still because the mm-hmm. other thing that I envy about these people that work their nine-to-fives and stuff is like they work their nine-to-fives 40 hours a week. And then once they're out of that, they're just able to just kind of escape in the leisure, like enjoy their lives, you know. Yeah. Versus when you work for yourself and you're doing that stuff, it's like it never ends. it your life is your job or vice versa. And then every day is just like one long shift because you don't like you don't it's hard to give yourself a day off because you never feel like you deserve one. At mm-hmm. least like it's just like you're like, well, am I where I should be? Like maybe I maybe I should fucking like not just chill here and watch. Always sunny for three hours. You know, maybe maybe that's not my best play. Yep. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my like now that I do have more responsibilities and jobs and opportunities in comedy, it it never stops. Like it's the first thing that I'm dealing with in the morning on my phone, and it's like the last thing I'm dealing with at night, whether it's something I'm emailing or texting or messaging or just at a thing,
2: yep. at an event. I think it would be healthy because I find myself doing the same thing. Like, I'll. I'll Send emails at eleven a.m., eleven p.m. Fucking wake up at three in the morning. I'll be out at the bars and you know do shit and promote stuff. And it's like you need to like you need to structure it in some way because it's not healthy to not do that. Like you need. I almost feel like I've never done it, so I don't know if it works. (laughs) But I imagine that like if you structured the way you worked on your comedy the same way that somebody's nine to five was structured, where you were like, dude, I'm waking up at eight thirty. At 9 p.m., I mean, at 9 a.m., I'm fucking doing my shit, and yeah, at I'm 5 p.m., six jokes. Or whatever. Yeah, at 5 p.m., I'm clocking out, and I make myself dinner. And if somebody emails me at 7 p.m. about a fucking club that wants to book me, at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'll respond. Just like if I had a fucking job, or a job, but I, instead I work for myself. And then I feel like I feel like once you organize your life, I mean, I don't know if you guys. I, I mean, I, I imagine that. We're kind of talking about the same thing right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I like I do. I have a little bit of that because I have an office um, where my part-time job happens, and so like I just have regular office hours there. So while I'm there, I just put in like this is where I do all my online promotion and all my like responses for comedy stuff. So I do have like some set hours, but you know, it's hard because I'm actually struggling with that a lot right now because it's just like I I don't. I don't manage the time that I have that I'm not doing stuff very well because I'm just like, oh, I have a moment where I don't have to think about it. Let me just play a video game or get high and just like chill and watch Shira and Netflix. But then you're like, oh shit, that was my time to do the stuff that I need to do to make my life functional. You know? So that's when it's really hard not having a structured life. Dude. My mother's always like, You need to, to not say yes to everything because you're gonna burn out. And I'm like, well, or I'm gonna Say yes to nothing, and then I'll have nothing to burn out over. Yeah. You know yeah. what's the difference? You know,
2: dude, I have like such fucking. I just moved into my new place recently. Oh yeah, where's it um, at? It's uh right in Towson at the Circle. Nice. It's nice. really, dude. It's it's fucking awesome. I'm on the eleventh yeah, floor. Check it out, dude. I'm, I'm on the eleventh floor. I'm facing south. I can see the whole harbor. I can see ships coming in the Sweet. harbor. I can see the Key Bridge. I like that part like, of Towson. That's cool. It's fucking awesome. But uh, I was like moving my furniture around, and like I remember my goal was to hang this picture right, and so. I'm fucking in my apartment and I'm alone. There's nobody there to like keep me on track. We hadn't had TV installed yet. I'm just in my apartment with this picture, this one fucking picture. And I walk into the room and I'm like, oh, I need, I need my nails. So I walk back in my bedroom, sit in my bed, start thinking about some shit, walk out, go back to the picture. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck, I forgot the nails. <laughs> I mean, we're talking like 10 minutes have passed at this point. Walk back in there, finally get my nails, walk back. And then I'm like, Oh, dude, I got to get the hammer. Got to get the hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Walk down to the fucking car. Get the car. I'm fucking listening to like random shit. And I'm telling you, I I kid you not, it was probably 40 to 45 minutes of me just walking in and out of rooms and just fucking just thinking about something and then like watching a YouTube video Uh and then coming back and doing it. And I was like, dude, I know what my teachers were talking about. When they said, I have 80, like I knew it. When they said it, I was like, dude, fuck you guys. I can focus on stuff. But like, dude, I couldn't hang a fucking picture without like, I, it was like, but then the thing is, I hit that vape pen, dude. That like weed vape pen. Dude, I got so much shit done. Yeah. <laughs> weed is my Adderall, dude. I fucking, like, it, yeah. it, it, it's fucking great for me for that. It just, because other, than, like, that's the reason why I don't have a structured life is because. When I come to the studio, this is supposed to be my office. I, I try to get here every day at 11 a.m. and I try to do my shit until like a reasonable time. Maybe when it gets dark, I'll leave. I'll go for a run and stuff like that. But like 50% of my day is me watching YouTube videos and fucking fucking people on Facebook. Let's just say it was random <laughs> shit. <laughs> what it's you bills, no, dog. never. never. <laughs> Professional Facebook troll, dude. <laughs> racking up my money. But like, it's just like so like at the end of the day, I'm like, damn, I have taken eight hours to accomplish what I could have done by lunch.
1: Well this is why we're not the kinds of people who can have those kinds of day-to-day job yeah, 9 to 5 lives cuz our brains don't work like that. Yeah, that's why we're not CEOs and parents. <laughs> it's cuz <'cause laughs> we're fucking creative types. You know like Archie Jameson to me is like such a great representation of like what it means to be like a comedian who yeah. is like an artist and stuff because he his view on comedy is so purely tied into the act of doing it and being a comedian and having that be the expression of his art that it's like yeah, that has to be the focal point of his life, you know? Yeah. And he works and stuff, you know, he's got a job, you know, and he's got to, like, live his life. But it's, like, if that's, like, the way you think about it, you know, like, oh, but this is the art that I do, that I create, and it's the thing that I am, it's, like, you. that has to be the center of your life. And that comes with a certain vortex of... <laughs> Crazy thought patterns and weird yeah. time schedules, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's just why a certain type of people can be artists and comedians and performers, and some people can't. And they can just they can do the thing that you would be if you were a performer, like they can do stand up, they can play it uh, at an open mic. But it's like, well, I can't make that my life because I can't survive the like vortex of nonsense and shit, yeah. and and goes along with it.
2: At a certain point, it's like maybe not a choice you consciously make, but I remember like. The most recent like wave of reality hit me after uh I got out of like I was in like a three and a half year relationship, and I just kind of I could feel myself just letting it die. I could feel myself letting it die because i knew like I knew way down that I didn't want to get married and have kids and do all that stuff yeah. at the t- on that timeline, but I couldn't admit it to myself because like I'm in love with this person, right it's like you can't say i couldn't I wasn't strong enough of a person to just be like. I had to make this decision. So just let it happen. You know what I'm saying? But I remember after that, I just realized it was like, and that was right around the time when I started playing a lot more gigs and then that kind of, that side, and then that was right around the time when the when the when we started, we, I'd get that fucking bob. We started getting like fucking more traffic on this podcast and, and things yeah. like that and getting all kinds of gigs. And it was like, I realized like that, at that moment I was like, wow, I really, I really am definitely a musician doesn't mean i'm a good one doesn't mean i'm a bad one i just am this thing and and it's like that it's just what it is it's like i said it's not necessarily a great thing it's not what i thought it was going to be but it's like it's just like this is just my life i guess like this is this is weird i just made this decision and all these other things that i thought i also wanted it's like you can't have all that you can't have all of that i'm sure at some point down the line you figure out a way to fucking fit that into your life but it's like i really did kind of go through life just kind of thinking like well i can be this and also that and that and i no, you got to go all in on something at some point point. 100 percent, and like you have
1: to like the drive to to let's we'll call all of it being an artist all whatever it is it's 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 like the thing that makes you get up in the morning not just what you're going to do that day you know it's mm-hmm. like that's you know, it's like you, we see, we know so many people who do comedy specifically and, and music, too, you know, who are not mentally right, <laughs> you know, who have mm-hmm. mental issues, mental problems, you know, and it's like and this is the way they like they deal with that. And it's like, well, that, that's not about what you do for a living. That's about like you have to do this or you're not a right person. You know, you, yeah. can't, you can't live not alone. not alone what kind of life you're going to live, but you can't just be alive. You know, you just can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. I still I still wouldn't change it. <laughs> I mean, I've I've worked very traditional job, well not traditional jobs, but very like traditional hours and had like f- very full-time jobs and pretty much my whole life, but mm-hmm. that was just because I've been on my own since I was 17 and I've never had I've never been able to like not have to make all the money I need to live, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I'm really bad at working for people. <laughs> I'm really I'm a really bad employee. I'm a great worker, <laughs> but I'm a terrible employee. Cuz I work real hard and I'm really good at whatever I do, but I hate being told what to do and I hate having a boss who mm-hmm. I do not see eye to eye with. I'm just my best friend who I saw today, she was like, "Yeah, you know, you like to say things to bosses like, I don't want to go along with a bad idea. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that is an actual (laughs) thing I've said to an employer. I literally got fired from a job one time because I told the owner of the business. Oh, you think you're better than me because you own a business? (laughs) (laughs) You're better than me because you pay my bills. Your your ideas are better than mine because you bought a building.
2: (laughs) 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 No, I'm probably Equally bad at working for myself as I am for working for other people, except I'm just never going to fire myself. Like, I'm just, I have like (laughs) a thousand trillion write ups for myself. (laughs) Just no disciplinary action. But you know what? It's like, let it
1: slide. you, you, You make it work, though. I mean, it's like the success of this podcast and the success of everything you guys do together and everything that ATB Productions has done, all of everything that you're involved with in any aspect, it's like, they didn't just happen. They were not a thing that existed and then you went and became a part of it. It's like it all happened because everybody involved made it happen with their skills. Yeah, dude. Because it's not like a job where anybody who wants to do it can go and do it. It has to be done by the people who can do it right that it works. Yeah. You know, like that doesn't happen at most jobs, especially like, you know, I worked in retail for a million years. It's like you could, I literally got fired from a job where she was like, well, people sometimes are just numbers. I was like, what <laughs> like, <laughs> I got fired from a job in time for texting and I was like, and she was like, ah, oh, she's like, it's just a shame. Cause I really thought you were just like a rock star employee. I was like, I am a rock star and playing. Texting while I'm on the clock does not somehow make me a bad employee. Oh, dude, it just makes me cool. I broke, a, I broke <laughs> an arbitrary rule. <laughs> like, it's, you know,
2: whatever. Like a chewing gum in class. Like, oh, you were a good student, bro. Still getting a's, dude. <laughs> we're all
1: artists and rebels. It just takes form sometimes as dick jokes, sometimes as a song. Sometimes yeah. as you just
2: got to like, step outside of it, dude. Literally, I had one of those moments today. I was literally like, I woke up, <laughs> In the city, drove up here, got my kerosene, which I had left in my car overnight. So my whole car smelled like kerosene. <laughs> I said, Oh my gosh. Drove up here, had Mike's podcast recording from 12 to 2. Got to meet Christine Ferrer, which is cool. She's awesome. And then immediately after that, Tink and Garrett came through and they were doing theirs and they had a fucking great nice. podcast. And I was just sitting there through the midst of it, just like on the couch. And like, I'm not, I don't talk on their podcast really. I mean, I chime in when I blurt something out. But like, I always have a mic. But, like, I was just sitting there. I was like, this is dope. This is, like, kind of like, it's just like I get to be a part of this thing, but I'm not. But it's like it's happening because of this shit that. Like I did a long time ago, and it's like it's just like if somebody just dropped me in here right now, somebody was just like, yeah, it just somebody just dropped me in here right now, it would make no fucking sense. I'm like, who are these people, and like what's going on, and like why yeah. am I just like what sitting here? name King. I've had like I've had like four three hour conversations today, like, just like and then it's just like it just wouldn't make sense, but it's just like you don't see that shit happening. It's just yeah. all of a sudden, every now and then, I'll just zoom out. and I'm like, what the fuck? I do that all the time.
1: I was talking yeah. to Eric about that after the play tonight. I was like. Sometimes you step back and you're like, what is my life? You know, it's like, you know, being backstage before our last show tonight, it was just like, see all these people in these crazy costumes and working on these bits and, you know, working on these songs and just be like, all right, well, I guess I just produced, wrote and directed a musical theater production. (laughs) Like, this is crazy, you know, and I'm just like, you know, and at the end they they brought me out and they like made one of the song lyrics about me and they like thanked me and stuff. And it's just kind of crazy to think like, Well, not for nothing. Like I did this damn thing. Like I fucking made it happen, you know. And that's that's like, (laughs) when does that get to happen in your life? When when do you get to say like, I had this like really stupid idea that I thought would be funny, and then you're like, oh, and And then then I did it. We did it, and then everybody (laughs) agreed. Twelve people do it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) a bunch of people do it, and then everybody agreed. Like that was stupid, but cool. And it was very stupid. It was so stupid. You made that theater some money, and it was so funny, and it was just fun, and like. Why the fuck not? But yeah, you step back and you're like, what is my life? Like, (laughs) I went to Maine recently (laughs) to do stand-up and it was really nice because they, like, flew me out and I got a hotel and stuff. You know, it was, was, like, really nice and I was just like, man, this is... Something I'm it's all cause of dick jokes. It's all cause of dick <laughs> jokes, you know? And they were so funny in Maine too. They were like they're like, whatever you do, do not make a joke about Stephen King. Everybody <laughs> loves him here. And Bangor, made, I'm like, okay, I wasn't gonna talk about Stephen King. Like I, I wasn't like, like, just
2: don't do it. Just like, it. Like, the one thing. You're like N word's cool. Yeah. N-word's yeah, they were cool. like, you can talk <laughs> about N-words anything.
1: It's a very open minded crowd. You can talk about sex. You can talk about whatever. Like they're not gonna mind. They're like, just don't say anything bad about Stephen King. I'm like, what the fuck? And I was waiting to meet like a really main person because like everyone I was meeting was just kind of like you know hey good to meet you I was like oh, okay and then literally we're at this event and this guy comes up in the rain and he's wearing like the yellow raincoat Hell with like this yeah. big wooly really sweater <laughs> under Thunder it. It's like claps, the Norton Fisherman. The like get the yeah. ruddy skin, you know, and he Hell comes yeah. out he's got like a little bit of a facial scruff and he comes up to me and he just goes, uh Here
0: oh. fucking uh, thick on the chalkboard.
1: Yeah, <laughs> He literally just comes and he goes, oh, ah, 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 I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that was high up. <laughs> but it's not Hi, like, yeah. ah, <laughs> ah. I was like, yes, finally. And I just have to say that town was tiny. That town is, first of all, the whitest place I've ever been. It was like yeah. I was like I think the Westboro Baptist Church is protesting this town. <laughs> this is this is hella white. Even like the people who are like very liberal and like because this event was for this like LGBT health center. I'm like you all look super conservative. Like you're all really. I mean some were kind of freaky, but like a lot of people were very buttoned up, and that's just like the culture there. But it was really funny because like uh, I'm there and like I get off the plane in the airport and their little tiny airport, and the message is like Karen. We have your toothbrush, Karen. (laughs) You left it at the gate. Uh, We're going to give it to Steve. Steve Steve's got your toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, is there only one Steve in this (laughs) entire airport? Like, how is that possible? (laughs) Uh, They were everybody was like so nice and like the the hotel where they were making breakfast. They had like a special toaster that said gluten free only on it and they were like, this one is for the gluten free only. We haven't had one yet, but just in case, (laughs) like you guys are quaint as fuck. This (laughs) is so cute, but it was just weird because I'm like, what is my life that I came to like this place to do stand up for these people?
2: That's fucking awesome. Okay, <laughs>
1: whatever. <laughs> yellow yeah. raincoat. <laughs> Eating <laughs> a fucking
2: clam and syrup sandwich, just well, like
1: <laughs> You're, uh, in the break at the breakfast place in the morning. So I got I had to go at like six in the morning, so I had to like get back on the road. Like <laughs> sitting there, and like this, like people were coming in who like must be like living at the motel because they uh-huh. like knew them really well. The one guy walks in, and uh, she's like, "Hey, uh, Timmy." Uh, uh, did Bobby stay with you again last night? Is Bobby still over there? And he goes no. <laughs> he went home to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like eating my bagel like what are they talking about? <laughs> like I want to you know so much drum. more. <laughs> 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 like like uh, Timmy, uh, you don't know me but uh <laughs> I would like you to know more do? about Bobby. <laughs> 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 and like the one guy who worked there of course he was like he's like oh you're the entertainment. Oh yeah I got I got a joke for you. Uh, they're like oh Kip he doesn't want to hear your joke. Jokes and he's like, that's a short one. <laughs> I'm like, this is so cute. I'm like, go ahead, Kip, tell me a joke. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, when I was a uh, little, my mother, you know, she would, she'd be in the kitchen, a uh, baking, a baking, a baking something for dessert, and my father would come in and he'd go, what's for dinner? She'd be like i forgot to make dinner (laughs) i'm like is that a joke (laughs) is that just like did your mother have early onset dementia is this how you're if you want to process this by doing a stand-up set i think you should do that but i I don't think that's a joke necessarily i also just did stand up at johns hopkins and um, it was for their lgbt like stand-up club they have a stand-up club Mm -hmm. and like the the lgbt members of it and it was like this big like Then they're like social club, I guess, like Mm -hmm. in Charles village. And they, it was like a really good turnout and all their friends came and everything, but it's one of those events where you're there as the comedian and you know you're never gonna do as well as anyone there who makes a reference to yeah. the thing yeah. that it is. Right. Like, right. They're, they're like, because I live in whatever there. house and they're all like, boo boo, you know, and I'm like doing jokes that I'm like getting paid to do and they're like, mm, I don't yeah, know This morning guy. I pick up
2: my toothbrush from Steve. Yeah. yeah <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs>
1: well, at that Karen event, was pissed. At that event in Maine, like literally, the, the, it was very political because it was right before the election. Mm-hmm. So like people were like talking about all these like local races that I don't know anything about. They'd be like, because yes. we got to get Jordan J. Josh out of office. <laughs> Like, yeah, and I'm like he's cool. using up all our first names <laughs> so like, clap, clap, clap. like I don't know is that good or bad you know but then they would like make inside jokes they'd be like you know uh guess we just should have waited and see if Becky could have brought another pie and they're like oh Becky Ooh, yeah she makes all those baby. pies and I was like <laughs> like is that Kim's mom <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I forgot. No. and then I was at the table with uh, some people you know like the, they put me like the front thing with the like person who booked me so I was like sitting there and I was like talking and the whole time I was talking to her daughter and I did not realize her daughter was in high school oh, no. and when I found it because she, she looked older to me and she looked like she was probably in her like early 20s <laughs> and, and as soon as she mentioned she was in high school I just Like started to backtrack through everything Ah. I'd said to her. I'm like, oh no, did I offer to get her drunk? Oh God, what have I done? Like, like what have I talked to her about tonight? (laughs) Shit. But it was weird doing that show at John's Hopkins. The kids were like really young. I mean, they were like 19, 20 years old, and I was like, the one kid. He was, he was really, it was his first time ever doing standup and he was doing a bit about grinder and I was like, well, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 21. I was like, well, I've been out of the closet since you were negative three years old. <laughs> uh, and, uh, back then we didn't have grinder. <laughs> I just went to the same seven 11 every night for nine months. Cause I saw a dude that I thought like could be gay. <laughs> I was like, I'm going <laughs> back. That guy in that white t-shirt could come back. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're in love. <laughs> There's no way to find other gay people that technology does not exist. yet. (laughs) I just got to go and wait around and pretend like I'm shopping for nachos. (laughs) He literally had a green Jeep and a tight white t-shirt on and I just like looked at him. and I was like, I think I just saw another gay person (laughs) like what? Oh my God. I was like 14 years old and I was like, I'm just gonna keep going back because if that's his 7-Eleven on the way home, he might stop there around the same time again to like get gas or get (laughs) snacks. Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) A moron. moron. It worked.
1: <laughs> I know, right? It worked, dude. Yeah, it did not. <laughs> well, that's a weird thing too. Like, there's there even I forget what movie it was. It's got like uh, it's got like a bunch of people in it who are famous now. But this movie that came out in the '90s that was about a guy who came out of the closet, and uh, it was basically then in the movie they do that where they're just like, "This is Paul." he's also gay and they like <laughs> kind of like shove them together and they're just like oh, you guys should be in love now and like should have yeah, sex yeah. now you know like just get together and it's like that it was very that for a long time like i for years just got set up on dates because someone else knew friend. Like, oh person. i have a gay friend you know, like oh no I, I got a friend he lives in <laughs> oh Liverpool. i got gotcha. it name is gotcha. paul he's re- it's really far away but guess what <laughs> we're, you guys are gonna meet you guys is gonna be perfect you guys are perfect for each other <laughs> like yeah, we're both alive i guess we both live in the same state i guess because yeah, then like when finally like Cause let's see I think the first computer we had they had the internet was like 1997 in our house mm-hmm. like in like when I was a kid so I was like 17 you know and that was like and but there was nothing like there was no way to, but there was like this thing outcom um, which was like a gay website and they had personals on it but you could put in like criteria you could say like oh only Maryland Ooh. and it would just be like every like posting from like a gay person but they were always like so creepy it was always like 53. I live in Hampstead. Yeah. Just want like somebody to come like, over and spend
0: weird some time. GPS like cash game to, <laughs> to
3: like, find his
0: fucking coordinates. <laughs> find like a little box that had a condom in it. Directions to his fucking motel six.
1: The <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> But it's nice to see that uh 21 years later, that or however many years later, 18 years later there's like uh
2: good time to be gay at at Johns it. Hopkins.
1: Yeah, just good doing his gay stand up. No, like no. good for you. I was like and I told him I was like I told him about Elizabeth's mic. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, please. I was like cuz none of some of them have never done open mics. Even the ones who do it, they just do it there. And I was like, please, we need queer representation in comedy. Like, go to the club out of town. It's a safe space for you. And then I was like, but if you are good and younger than me, I will push you down a flight of stairs. <laughs> I'd be like, have uh, you ever seen the movie Showgirls? Uh, <laughs> like, Make them fall. Like, no, but uh, but that's my thing. So just don't be good at it. <laughs> like, do it for just for fun, but still be a doctor. <laughs> I want to be the one that, that's good.
3: All
0: right, well... You Got anything to plug, dude? Oh, yeah. I do.
1: Uh yes, yes, Let me see. I do have things to plug that are in my calendar. Oh, is this
2: is the wrong calendar. I'll drop my plugs in the meantime, dude. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, uh, damn, this air has. Call my name. Dude, take Fuckin'. it. The white mystery. I want to know what the white mystery is. I guarantee you it's raspberry. It's different every time. Oh, really? It's different every time? Yeah. Ooh. That really is a white mystery. Um, guys, every Sunday night, including uh, 35 minutes from right now, I will be at the horse you came in on in Fells Point. That's from 10 to close. Every Sunday night, uh, Saturday, November 24th, uh black saturday if you will i will be at the point towson nine to one a.m with the band i believe i'm playing with john burkhart of thunder club and will beckman of reagan cats and various nice. other musical projects and then of course uh tuesday november 27th uh anybody finding themselves in Timonium i might be at high tops nine to one in the ooh, morning ooh, on a ooh, tuesday ooh. night uh, it is as fun as it sounds. <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. see you guys there.
1: <laughs> um, December 1st, I'm going to be in New York at the uh, comedy contest for the Yas Queen national touring uh, thing, where if I win, I get a residency there and I go oh, on the yeah. tour. Um, <laughs> but they all seem to know each other, so I don't know if I'm going to win. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm the one person who they do not already know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, they're probably not going to pick me, but I'm going to go, and I'll be in New York for a couple days, and I'll do some stand up there. And then I'm at the Brewers Cask on the fourth of December, and then I'm at Term City Comedy Project on the eighth for my birthday show. And I'm going to do chit chat, and my Improv troupe, Banana Phone's going to perform. Hey and that's yeah, plenty. Yeah. That's enough. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> awesome. Well,
0: <laughs> I'm going to be in New York doing some work November twenty sixth to twenty ninth. So if oh, anyone's I'll be up there. there,
2: yeah, I'll be there twenty eighth, twenty Yeah. Make it up, dude. We'll make Hell a fucking yeah. thing, Yeah, that Come sounds
1: up. good. Be cool. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, that's a 28th is a Thursday, so right? I got
0: a dope. Oh, I'm a, 29th is a Thursday.
2: 20, oh,
1: that's but I think leaving. I might be coming
0: back. Oh. Yeah,
1: Thursday is a really good mic. Like, uh, alligator Lounge, Ooh. where you go and you pay, you get a f- ticket for a drink, and you get a free little personal pan pizza they make from scratch and due time. Nice. Ooh. It's really fun. It's in a uh, in Brooklyn, I think. But uh, yeah, it was really. We did it last time we were there. It was really fun.
3: Cool.
0: cool, and Don't then December eighth, I'll be at the second Saturday Shit Show at the Auto Bar. Nice. Come out for that; it's going to be a good
2: time. Uh, a lot of good people on that lineup. Yeah, dude. Other than that, um, yeah. Spoiler alert: White mystery this time was watermelon. Ooh, I hate candy watermelon. So Eric, <laughs> you can have that, okay. <laughs> uh, guys. Follow us on everything: LFTS podcast. That's uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher iTunes, all the stuff. Uh, Shouts out to Laughable. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like a glossary for comedians. It's pretty cool. Check it out. I think it's, it's like on Droid a now. A
0: rolodex of comedians yeah. you can have on your phone and look at all the podcasts they do. But yeah, uh, live from the studio and everything. Check us out next week. Peace. 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 Girl, the way it's your jam, so I'm a compass with my sky
3: I'm a I'm pay And I'm going to throw money Why you do it?